a lot will say that a specific type of person is their their customer, but then when I take a look at their website and their emails and their strategy and their customer base, you would see that they're pretending that everybody is their customer. They're afraid to close a door on any one segment of what they were building, but they, they just can't say no to the money. And so they don't realize, though, by not choosing, they're saying no to a lot more money. It's just, it's hard to see it that way. That was Josh Garofalo, and let me tell you, I loved this conversation. He's a marketer and researcher, and we dig deep into the latter. He tells us how important it is to do your research when you're writing copy for your website because you want to solve your customers' problems, and there's a few ways Josh talks about to help us communicate that. And I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll just say that if you make a product Uh, and you are not targeting the right person or your copy doesn't communicate uh, the, the kind of person you're targeting, then you are leaving money on the table. So with that, I'll let Josh get into the rest of it. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it, and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site, and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It. You can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code how i built it use those today increase your engagement and sales on your wordpress site thanks to ahoy for their support of this show hey everybody and welcome to another episode of how i built it the podcast that asks how did you build that today my guest is josh garofalo the owner of sway copy josh how are you today i'm doing pretty good and yourself I'm doing very well. Thanks uh, so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you because uh, I don't, I, I know I've had like content strategists on the show before, but we never really dug deep into coming up with copy. And I feel like that is one of the hardest things to do well. Um, so why don't we start off before we get into this big discussion of copy with uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I started SwayCopy.com about four years ago after finishing up at a, at a startup in town. Um, I was the one and only marketer there. We were like a company of six. I realized that I didn't love all of my job, but I really loved the part where I had to do like customer research, market research, positioning, copywriting, and all of that. And so while I was there, I kind of learned that this was actually its own discipline and that uh, a lot of companies are willing to pay quite well for someone who can do a good job of it. And so once I was done at the startup, I started this company. And uh, since starting that company, I've had the good fortune of working with some pretty awesome companies like HubSpot and Hotjar and uh, Cisco, AWeber, 
I work I work primarily with SaaS companies, as you can tell from those logos. Um, and in the early days, you know, it started with taking orders a lot. So people would come to me, they say, I need a new homepage. I would create a new homepage. Uh, in recent years, it's transitioned more to strategy. So people will still come to me thinking they know exactly what they need. Um, but usually my, my process now starts with like an in-depth audit where I kind of, I take apart their entire business, the whole customer journey, and I find opportunities to improve and, and scope out a project from there. And that's where I'm at right now. Man, that, that sounds really cool. Um, and so uh, you, you mentioned that you, you are working mostly with like uh, service companies. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you dig into uh, one of these companies, um, before we start talking about just like general strategy or or examples of of strategies you've put in place, what's it like in the beginning? I, I I'm guessing that you probably need to understand their target customer or maybe even help them understand their target customer. Is that is that accurate? That's right. Often it's a case of helping them understand their target customer better and also helping them understand um, the types of customers that they can do without. So. Most SaaS companies, except for the ones who are really far ahead, like a HubSpot, for example, most SaaS companies are just trying to get all the customers that they can get, and you end up with like a smorgasbord of of customers. and And when you really dig in, you you find out that it's a it's a specific type of customer that that really gets the most value from your product, is happy to pay for it, is looking for more opportunities for you to add features and capabilities that they're willing to pay even more money for, and then the rest are sort of tire kickers. They're hold they're taking up your support and. And uh, you know they're 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 complaining about having to pay nine dollars a month for your mm-hmm. for your product. So yeah, it's definitely um, helping them understand their customer, helping them understand who their customer isn't, and that process is uh, a lengthy one. And, and we can talk about that if you want. Um, is that something you want to talk about? Or yeah, so well, I think that's really interesting, and we'll um, you know well uh, I do want to ask you kind of about your research process, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I do. I am curious before we get to that about how many uh, companies come to you and say like when you ask who their target customer is, how many say like everybody? They or are people? Yeah, are people far more far or uh, far along enough that they don't say that? Many are far are further along than that, but a lot will say. Um, that a specific type of person is their their customer, but then when I take a look at their website and their emails and their strategy and their customer base, you would see that really they're 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 pretending that everybody is their customer. They're afraid to close a door on any one mm-hmm. segment of uh, of the market, and so uh, a lot of a lot of my job is actually just holding people accountable to actually staying true to that mission. They started knowing that you know this is the best um, proposal software for accountants, for example. But when you look at their customer base and their marketing, they're afraid to to commit to that and say like we are proposal software for accountants. And their customer base will be you know sixty percent accountants, but then there's like digital marketing agencies in there and lawyers and and doctors and et cetera and and so they're not actually staying true to that mission. They they started out knowing what they were building, but they, they just can't say no to the money. And so they don't realize, though, by not choosing, they're saying no to a lot more money. It's just it's hard to see it that way. Yeah, and I think that's one of the scary parts about niching down, right? Like even like as a freelancer, people are told that they need to niche down. Um, but it's really hard, you know, if if I do like construction websites and a restaurant comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to give you some cash to do this." Um, it's hard to say no to that, but 
I could charge the construction companies more because I understand who they are and what their site needs and I can be more efficient. Whereas with a restaurant, I'm like, do I, should I have a PDF of the menu or like, <laughs> like what should I do? Yeah. Um, so that's how I always yeah. explain it too with, uh, with, with choosing a niche. A lot of it is, I mean, you should, because you're focused, you should actually be better at the thing than a lot of other people. But that's not what the price premium comes from entirely. It's also, as you said, it's like an insurance policy. So when the, say, say you're in the market for construction or as I'm in the business for SaaS, when they, when they come to us and they see that we do exactly what they need, by choosing us, they're willing to pay a little bit extra because it's an insurance policy. They know that we know what we're doing. We've done it a million times before. We solve this problem for companies just like theirs multiple times in the past and so you know what paying an extra uh, I mean I, I, I don't know how much uh, other markets get but I know in SaaS for example by focusing like I, I'm probably charging I'm charging double what a lot of other journalists would charge at least um, and, and it's an insurance policy you know it's a lot of money to me but to a SaaS company that's raised 20 million dollars like what is it to, to pay a little bit extra to not have to handhold and to get what you're looking for right yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like any specialist, right? I'm not going to buy sushi from a gas station, and I'm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to a sushi joint, and I'm going to pay a lot more for that. But um, I probably won't pay a lot more later with my with stomach issues. <laughs> exactly. Like that. So, um, so yeah. So this is great. That's a, a really great um, kind of introduction to set up what we're talking about today. So um, usually, when I ask my guests, what kind of research did you do? Uh, it's it's their own research based on their own product or their own company. Right. In your case, though, you are doing research for essentially every client or customer that you get. So what's what is your process like? Yeah, so it's it's lengthy, and I'm sure I'll leave some steps out because I don't have like a checklist open right now. But um, I, I can talk fairly broadly. So basically what I'm doing in the research phase, and I, I am uncovering as much as I can about the customer, the market, the competitor landscape, their product, how it's different from the others, how it's better from the others, um, who their customer is, who their customer isn't. And that and those activities range from um, just going through and digesting all the resources that they've created over, over the past year. So like white papers, articles, videos. It's talking to the sales team and getting a demo and listening to their sales calls as well so I can see what is and isn't working, um, if there's opportunities for them to improve their sales calls. It's um, speaking to anybody who touches a customer, so marketing, customer success, um, product, anyone who's interviewing customers, caring about the customer, um, I'm, I'm trying to understand the customer through their eyes. And then, of course, you know, I'm hopping on calls with customers. So once we've identified who that 20% is, that top customer, the one that they would love to multiply over and over again, I'm getting on calls, sometimes dozens of calls with customers. Um, just, just really understanding, I mean, it goes, it goes beyond this, but at a basic level, it's understanding their state of mind, the way they were thinking and, and talking about their problems before they found a solution, uh, what they might have been using at that time, what they were searching for when they were looking for a solution, um, how your your product or, or my client's product in this case is re- resonating with the customer, um, what caused them to buy, what caused them to almost not buy, 
Uh, and then now that they're customers, what are they, what are they able to achieve? And when they explain it to other people or they refer customers, how are they talking about the product? And that's where I'm getting a lot of the messaging from. So a lot of people think that a copywriter is like, uh, you know, madman sitting there with some whiskey, just coming up with creative ideas. And maybe some people do it that way, but I think the smartest way to do it is really just to understand the customer like inside and out. So you're, so you're like them and then you can sort of build that bridge between the client's product or your product if you're the, the owner and the, uh, the customer themselves. And and there's other ways of doing that too. So if you can't get on calls, you can do surveys. You can um, message mine. So that's like looking at reviews and how people are talking about it on Twitter and Facebook. It's just uh, just completely digesting like the market and the product and the customer and uh, looking for opportunities for, in my case, the client to stand out. Because in most spaces and especially in SaaS, like there's no shortage of competitors, and most people are not putting an effort in to actually show how they're different. They're just trying to show that we're also part of this giant club of, of companies that solve this problem. And so if, if, you, if you go in there and you're intentional, you can find little opportunities to show how your product is definitely the better choice for a specific customer. And that's really what a lot of my job comes down to. And the writing part is the part that everybody sees, but it's really the research uh, behind that that really stands out. I guess the other piece that I really missed there was... Uh, Analytics. So I spend a lot of time in Hotjar. I'm spending a lot of time watching recording, recorded sessions and heat maps and, and things like that and taking a look at chat logs that come in and survey results from, from website polls. So it's, uh, it's a giant spreadsheet with <laughs> a lot of resources and, and, uh, and links um, that, that, that's, that kicks off that research and audit phase. And I actually charge separately for that as well. Okay, that uh, so actually, that's uh, a question I was going to get to. Is um, you know, this is kind of the work before the work. Um, a lot of freelance, you know, I, I speak mostly from a freelancing background. I'm just getting into products, which I've learned is a very different animal. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of freelancers, myself included, will do a lot of research to put together a proposal. Um, in the last few years, especially since I was working at an agency for a few years. I heard the idea of charging for a discovery phase. And it sounds like what you're doing is very akin to that. The research essentially helps you do your job more efficiently, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and when I first started out as well, you know, I baked research into my, into my project. So if, if I were ultimately working on a website with three pages, I would just... I would just bake the research in as, as work that was required in order to get those three pages done. And over the years, especially as I've amassed like a lot more experience and I've been behind the scenes of a lot of different companies now, um, I, I kind of realized, I was like, you know what, the copy the copy's important. That's what a lot of people want. But this research phase that I do, it's, it's definitely the most valuable thing that I do because, I mean, I go in there and I, I can help people with their, with their sales calls, their sales process, uh, their marketing strategy. I can help them figure out the types of... Uh, Articles and resources that um, customer success and support needs to come up with. Like it's all very valuable stuff. I can help position you in the market. This is all foundational stuff um, where the copy comes a little bit later. And so, yeah, I think a lot of freelancers bake in the research, and by doing that, they can't give it the time and space that's required to do it properly, uh, to do it as well as possible. So once you start charging well for it as its own deliverable, like you're you're free to go in. I'm I'm about to kick off on Monday a eight-week 
uh, research project for a company, wow. and they're and they're paying accordingly. And so I'm going, and and by doing that, you know, there's no way that a copywriter who's baking the research into their copywriting fees is going to be able to match the types of insights that I'm going to deliver for this company, right? So yeah, it's really important. I'm just curious, who who did you hear? Uh, who did you hear that from? The, the whole idea of charging for your proposal. Do you remember where that where that came from? Uh, so I used to work at an agency called CrowdFavor where we started doing discovery projects, essentially, right? Where okay. we we would, um, uh, instead of like maybe building out part of the project, we would figure out how we would implement the project and what needs to be done. And then that itself, much like your research, is its own deliverable, mm-hmm. right? So um, it's uh, I just recently read a book called Dealing with Problem Clients um, by Nathan Ingram. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and you know he's uh, it the it's a catchy title, um, but I mean he he talks about how to talk to and avoid problems with your clients, and and uh, in it he talks about um, what like a client who will ask you all sorts of questions in the kickoff meeting, and you need to be aware of uh, when you're answering what questions versus how questions. Um, True. So I answered a lot that, of how questions early on for sure, and I lost clients because of it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And and in a recent call I had, I was very mindful. They're like, well, how would you do this? I'm like, well, the things that we need to think about are this. I'm not going to tell you exactly how I would do it, though, because that's what you're going to pay me for. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. So I think that's that's a really great point to make, um, is, uh, you know, you're... We always want to be, people are helpful mm-hmm. um, and we want to be helpful. But um, when people are paying for your expertise, make sure you get paid for your expertise. Yeah. And then the funny thing is, too, you're not actually doing them a favor when you tell them the how because you fool them into thinking they now actually know how to do it because you told them how. And so they go off and do a terrible job when they would have been much better off paying you to do it properly. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, they're not going to blame themselves for that probably. They're going to no. be like, that guy gave me bad advice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. You've done the research, the analytics, uh, you've hopped on calls with customers. So you, uh, another thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is you want to use the words that your that the potential customers are using, right? Because now right. you're speaking directly to them. You have all of this information. Um, how do you? How, let's start with how do you put together a plan for the copy, and then how do you implement that plan? Yeah. So after the research phase, the deliverable basically is a uh, 
it's not a huge document. So a lot of people would think that because you're charging good money for research that you must deliver like a 100 page report mm -hmm. that nobody's going to read, but it's not a huge document. It's, it's, um, a few pages oftentimes. And it's just, uh, it's, it's prioritize. It's an, it's a prioritized list of the deliverables. And the way I, I'm prioritizing that is based on the expected outcome, my confidence in my ability to actually get that outcome and the effort. So I think that's called the ice, um, strategy. And I think, I can't remember who came up with that, um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not of my own making. Um, so it's just a prioritized list, and then the next the next step is just deciding what are we going to knock off that list. Are we going to do the whole list? We're going to start with the first few things. Then once we do that, um, we're getting into copywriting. What's what's happened during that research phase that I'm not usually delivering because most clients won't actually be able to make good use of it is I have giant spreadsheets with um, a lot of voice customer data. And it's tagged for things like um, this is a pain point um, talking about this problem. This is an outcome from using this capability. And then what I'm doing with with this is I'm I'm able to now pull from the spreadsheet actual words that customers are using to talk about specific things. So if on the homepage, for example, I want to come up with the number one value proposition, the headline and the subheadline, you know, I'm taking a look at what people are saying they value the most about the product and the outcomes that they're getting. And I'm pulling those words in and that's how I'm coming up with my headline and subheadline. Sometimes like verbatim, honestly, like someone will just say something like, wow, that's the headline. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other times it's just, it's sort of synthesizing what, you know, 30 people said about the product and sort of finding the common threads through there. And so the more granular you get with this spreadsheet and um, when we're, we're, when we're digging like specific features and sub features, then when I'm, when I'm writing the copy, I'm just, I'm just pulling this in. And sometimes um, the other nice thing is when you have it organized this way is you're able to use social proof contextually. So what a lot of people will do is, um, you know, they'll have a, a testimonial section on their website and it's just going to be a carousel of, of testimonial scrolling through that, you know, say this, this product is great or this person is great. Mm -hmm. But when you get really specific with your interviews and your surveys and your message mining, um, I'm able to say something like, uh, you know, this product, uh, is going to say, don't, don't ever just say this like this, but like this product saves you time, but say that in a more specific way using your customer's language. And then the, the, the reader might be like, does it really? Like everyone says their product is going to save me time. Often they don't, they create more work. Well, then you insert a testimonial that talks about how, you know, we saved 80% of our time on this task ever since we switched. And you have their name, a picture, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're sort of training the prospect to believe what you say because every time you say something that could easily be doubted, you're backing it up with social proof, either directly, like the testimonial is there, or indirectly by um, showing that you really understand and empathize with their problem and that you, uh, you speak just like them by using, by using words that they would use. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic point. So you're, like, you're baking testimonials directly into the narrative that you're trying to tell. Um, yep. One of the uh, in in a bit of good timing, actually. Um, I recently finished reading "Building a Story Brand" by Don Miller. I'm I haven't curious. read that one yet. Oh, you okay? So, um, I, I was gonna say I'm curious to know what you think of that. But in in general, it's like the hero's journey, right? Is the overall um, idea your customer is your hero, and you are the guide, and the villain is the pain points that you're trying to identify. The social proof is testimonials and um, identifying kind of their language and and showing that you can empathize. Mm -hmm. Um, so it sounds it sounds like 
um, you're advocating for something very, very similar, right? Because um, it's a it's a little noisy out there on the internet now, and people want to feel like they're being spoken to. Is is that accurate? Hundred percent accurate for sure. Yeah, everyone's looking for a shortcut. There's no shortage of competitors. So if you can do something to show that uh, you know you're you're above the others and you really understand them and you have a solution, you can back it up with proof. Rather than be like, well, maybe I should you know evaluate these dozen other people who also claim to do the same thing. They'd be like, this guy looks like he knows what he's doing. So they'll choose you. It's yeah, no brainer. Nice. That's that's great. So um. Let's talk a little bit about implementation then, right? You mentioned that early on people would come to you and say, like, build me a new homepage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do a little a little something different. But uh, are there, you know, are there things in your arsenal that you'll always use on a homepage? Um, or like is there a certain structure to like really help um drive your message home? Uh, I've read that like a homepage should have like 10 sentences or fewer on it because people don't like to read. Are there little tips like that? Um, or maybe you disagree with that one. I do. Uh, are there <laughs> awesome? Let's dig. Let's dig into that then. Um, so I've heard that a lot. People just skim pages, but uh, it, your experience, it sounds like it's a little bit different. So people do skim pages, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. What I will say is that customers will often read your page. So the people who convert when you watch recordings, you'll see they actually spend quite a bit of time evaluating what you're saying. And the other thing is that people do skim pages, and it's important to at least consider this by making it easy for people to quickly find the types of information they're going to latch onto and go deeper. So that's where like your headlines will come into play, right? So um, I don't think that you should be scared of copy, of, of putting a lot of words on the page. And if we're talking about the homepage specifically, it can really depend on the job of the homepage. So for example, when I did um, some work for a smaller uh, company called Tom's Planner, um, it's, it's a single product, it's a pretty simple product to understand. Their homepage is basically like a short sales page. Um, it's got one call to action, you're either going to sign up for the free trial or you're not. I'm not trying to point you in a bunch of different directions. Whereas if you're working with something like HubSpot, for example, um, you can scale back the copy a little bit if you want because there's so many different ways that HubSpot serves people. So you really want to get them to the place that they want to get to fastest. So if they're interested in the marketing suite, there should be a link early on that let, that lets them navigate towards that. And you're not necessarily hiding that at the very bottom like you would in like a, a sales page, right? So it really comes down to the job. And I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions in uh, copywriting is that there are these hard, fast rules without an understanding of the principles behind it. And so I don't want to get into long versus short copy too much, but the important the important distinction there is um, there's no such thing as like uh, a rule there where like long copy is always better, short copy is always better. It always comes down to the job. So, for example, if I wanted to sell you um, Kleenex, you know what Kleenex is, you know the job that it does. All I need to do is like here's Kleenex, it's fifty percent off today. That is going to sell you if you need Kleenex. But if I'm trying to sell you a new artificial intelligence um, solution for a problem that most people don't even really know that they have. I need to start by convincing you that you even have this problem, helping you spot it in in, in your life. And then I need to show um, you know, 
what this problem is costing you. I need to prove it. And then I need to show that I have a solution to that problem. And you're still going to be skeptical because you've never seen anything like this and you've never heard of me. And so I need to prove that I can actually do what I say I can do. And you're going to have questions at the end of that that I need to address and objections that I need to address. And so that, that page is going to be huge. Um, and it's not because long copy is better. It's just had a job that required more words. And so that's how I would uh, <laughs> that's how I would settle that. So the the ten sentences sometimes perfect. That's what you need. But uh, I would never subscribe to like a hard and fast rule. Gotcha, gotcha. That's that's a really great. That's a very important distinction, I think. And uh, uh, to be transparent, that was a hard and fast rule that I got from building a story brand. Mm-hmm. However, uh, that's not like the first thing he said. That's like the last thing he said. Now yeah. that you know <laughs> what you need to say and who you're talking to. Um, help people get there. Uh, don't just throw words at them, right? That that was really the overall. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the main message. point. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, um, you, you, sorry, your other question yeah. there was: Are there things that I always include on a website? And mm-hmm. to that, I, I don't have like a template. I wish I did. That I just had like a magical template that I could fill in that would make my work so much easier. But I mean, <laughs> uh, if we're talking about a homepage, some of the specifics that I want on there is. Um, I want anyone who lands on that page who has never heard of me before to at least know what I do, who I do it for, how I'm better or different than some of the other solutions they might be um, looking for, and and introduce some proof, whether that's logos, um, testimonials, contextual testimonials um, throughout, throughout the homepage. Uh, those are the main things that I want people to walk away with, and how that looks is going to very much depend on the customer and the product and all of that. But uh, those are really the elements that you wanna you wanna get into. Gotcha, gotcha. I I really like that. I think that jives pretty well with uh, what I've learned, kind of as a web developer. Um, that and and try not to make it confusing, right? Make it very clear. Let people know who who this is for and the action that they should take. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that I'm sitting down to write my own copy. Um, you know, I uh, maybe I am a small business. I don't necessarily have the budget to hire somebody to do an eight week research project or something right. like that. I'm probably not your target audience anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some things that I can do, or some tools that you think are really good for someone like me to kind of start on this this journey? Um, I know you mentioned Hotjar. Yep. They, I know they have a free account. I'm yep. actually using that right now on my brand new uh, homepage to see what people are doing. It's on amazing, it. isn't it? I, I love watching. Are you watching any uh, recorded sessions? Are you doing that at all? Yeah, yeah. That's the primary thing I'm yeah. doing. Um, <laughs> it's so crazy because, like, what I love seeing is like the mouse movement. Like, people will move their cursor under every line of text and read it. Yeah. Some people just get there and scroll to the bottom and leave. I'm like, I don't. I like that doesn't help me at all because I don't know. They must be looking for something they didn't see, yep. or they just wanted to see what the page looked like. But um, it's really incredible to see how people are using it. And I'm keeping kind of like a log of, all right, I need to fix this. People are reading this, and then they're not doing anything. Maybe this isn't resonating with them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Just on just on the Hotjar topic. So that that client that I mentioned that I'm starting with on Monday, I, I've got Hotjar set up on their site right now, and I've just peeked in a couple of times, and I'm already seeing things that I'm so excited to show them. Like they have this this pricing table where. Uh, you actually have to like click on each of the tiers to see all the differences. And I'm watching mm. people just like click back and forth, and you can see they're just furiously trying to compare them, but they can't see them all at the same time. <laughs> so it's like it's going to be like the easiest win ever. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So so um, 
you know, I know you mentioned analytics and spreadsheets and things like that, but let's say I'm starting, I just read building a story brand. My story brand is I, I'm talking to site builders or whatever. Right. Um, how do I figure out what to say to them? Yeah, so the first thing that I would say is, and I think you've spoken about this on some previous episodes, but I won't go into it too much, but um, if you're small and you want to make life easy on yourself, just make sure you really define who it is you're trying to serve and how you're serving them. If you launch as a generalist, pretty much anything I tell you is not going to help you. Like Your life is going to be difficult as a generalist. Um, so really, really narrow down on who you're talking to. And, and then from there, everything else branches off. So once you know exactly who you're talking to and what you're trying to do for them, I mean, you don't have to be a master of interviews to get on a call with your customer or your prospective customer and just ask them questions like, you know, what kind of pain points are you, are you uh, experiencing right now? What's your life like? What, what problems are you having? Um, you know, when we did that project together, what, what was better about it? What did you like working? What, what about working with me? Did you really like, and just you have conversations with your ideal customer, record it, get it transcribed on something like rev.com, start pulling in some of those common threads. Like you don't need to be a copywriter to do a lot of these things at a very basic level and um, just inject that stuff into your site making sure that people understand who, who, what you do, who you do it for, um, why they should believe you, um, what, what an outcome looks like, what it's like to work with you. It's, it's, don't try to get too clever. Like, don't get in your own way. Um, just be concise and accurate and empathetic with your customer. And I guess the other thing that that you should do is, if if you can avoid it, don't design your website before you've started to write the copy. Um, mm. uh, in the early days, I would do this because you know when you're first starting out, you've got to get business wherever you can get it. And so I would take on a project where like, hey, we've got this. We've got the website design. We just need someone to inject some copy, and then I would take that project. But those projects are nightmares because they don't end up well. And the reason for that is, if you start with a template, and this section says, you know, here's where you're going to put your three best points. Well, what if there's five? And then, <laughs> and then, and then you're trying to trim it down to make it fit. And then you're putting three there, but really you needed to have all five. And so, really, like, start out with the copy. Um, wireframe it in something like Balsamic. If you're like me and you, and you like a simple tool, Balsamic's super simple. So wireframe it in Balsamic and then um, start designing your website or, or finding a template that you can tweak uh, to match. So really, like, you know, you're, not, you're not going to have time to do the market research that I would do, uh, but you can still get on a call. You can still send out a survey to people. You can ask questions on Twitter. Ask an open-ended question on Twitter that you want more information about. Um, it's just yeah. It's just getting friendly with the people that you're trying to serve, understanding what they want, and reflecting that back to them on the website. It's it's really as simple and as complicated as that. <laughs> that's that's really that's really fantastic advice. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think you know I've always I, I I'm a very extroverted person, but I've always been afraid to get on the call with the client because mm-hmm. I'm worried that they're going to say something that will hurt my feelings. But yeah. you know what? It, the short term. Hurt feelings is going to be worth it when the sales, you know, increase. Yeah. Um, then yeah. my feelings will not be hurt very much. No, and usually, I mean, most people are decent people. They're not out there to hurt your feelings. And if you're talking <laughs> right. to people who are really happy with your work, the types of people that you want more of, they're probably going to have really nice things to say about you. So, yeah. See, that's that's another great point. If you're talking to your ideal customer, you've already served them well. Um, you know, you're not talking to the person who was like annoyed that they signed up for like a free PDF and then you emailed them a newsletter and then were really mean about it. <laughs> yeah, don't um, talk to those people unless you want to figure out like what you need to change so you don't get more of them. That's that's valid, but uh yeah. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. 
Now, small business owners wear a lot of hats. I know I am one of them. And while some hats are great, like doing this podcast and getting to talk to people, others, like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, are not so great. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and managing a team actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And as a New Yorker subplanted to Pennsylvania, uh, the not paying my local taxes thing bit me a couple of times. So it would be it would have been great to have Gusto then. Uh, plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits or even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts, too. This sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2020 for your business, right? Uh, but here's the thing. Deadlines for the new year creep up earlier than you think, and you're going to want to get started now. I don't know about you, but I know that I've started thinking about this stuff around this time. And all of a sudden, February or March is here, and I'm like, I need to do something about my taxes. So don't wait. Let Gusto make it easier on you. As a bonus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. I certainly am. Uh, and you can try a bonus and see it for yourself over at gusto.com build. So get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself over at gusto.com build. Thanks so much to Gusto for their support of this show. My last question for you before we get to my favorite question sure. is, um, you know, there's a, I'm in a mastermind group with a couple of friends and we've all kind of been talking about, we think this is our ideal customer. We think this is the market we want to be in. I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about like market research. You're talking to people who already know the market they're in and the customer they're trying to talk to. But have you ever had a situation where you've worked with a company and you're like, you need to pivot your customer because this customer is not who you want to talk to or this market generally does not spend the kind of money you want them to spend. Um, and if you have, what was that experience like? Hmm. Let me think if there's one where there was actually like a hard pivot. I can't think of a hard pivot because usually when a company is in that sort of situation, they don't actually have the finances to, uh, mm -hmm. to hire somebody on. So it's a catch 22, but definitely, gotcha. um, helping them focus. So someone who would start broad and then, and then going deeper into that space. So, uh, actually just thinking Tom's planner is top of mind right now because I worked with them a few months ago. Um, so what we found or what I found when I was doing the research is there's lots of different people using them for different reasons, but the people, but the trend that came up over and over again, when I asked, um, what was going on in your business when you decided to look for a solution like Tom's planner, two things came up over and over again. And oftentimes people were saying it in the exact same way. Uh, despite not knowing each other. And that was that they had outgrown project planning and spreadsheets. Their projects got too complicated and updating that was, was chaos. And the word chaos came up multiple times. So you'll actually see that now in the subheadline. And, and, and faced with that challenge, they didn't want to use what they saw as the next step, which was like an MS project, which is a very big project planning software that's complicated, has a huge manual, costs a lot of money. And so they were looking for something in the middle. And so that's exactly how we position the product. It's it's your project planning tool, basically your Gantt chart creation tool when 
planning and spreadsheets and chaos, and when product or when uh, products like MS Product are overkill. And that was how we positioned it. And um, signups went through the roof. And some of the stats that you would think that are poor indicators of quality, such as time on site, went way down. And the reason it went way down is because people immediately saw themselves in the headline and subheadline. They're like, "Yes, this is exactly what I need. It's the middle. It's it's like in between these two things that I don't want to deal with anymore." And so a lot of people would just land on the website, see the headline, subheadline, some of the a few bullet points, and boom, sign up because it's exactly what they wanted. So that would be. It's not a hard pivot. It was it was always kind of there. But it was a case of really digging in and just leaning into it, not being afraid of saying, like, we are the thing in the middle. If you want something complicated, use this other thing. If you're happy with free and chaotic, keep using spreadsheets. But if you're somewhere in the middle, which is a lot of people, um, his, his market is by no means small, then that's what Thomas Planner is for. And so that's a case of uh, a little side there. Often, the people that you want to compete with are not your direct competitors. You want to frame your product or your services as uh, something something, an alternative to like two extremes that aren't your direct competitors. So, I mean, in this case, Tom's Planner, there's other companies that are just like Tom's Planner. Um, comparing yourself to them won't do you any good because on paper, you guys are very, very similar. Instead, try to capture all the people that are trying to make this decision between spreadsheets and, and bloated software. It's much easier. And so uh, that's a specific example, but you can generalize that to pretty much anything. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. Um, when I was trying to position my own online courses, I basically positioned them as uh, WP101 is like the number one uh, online membership for learning how to use WordPress. Mm-hmm. My friend Brian runs WP Sessions, which is for developers. And I'm like, hey, I am right in the middle. You already know how to use WordPress. You're not quite a developer yet. Let me show you how to make websites with WordPress. Exactly. Um, there you go. You did it yeah. the middle way. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, this is fantastic. There's been, I mean, this, it's been uh, information packed. I really love that. Uh, and you've given us a ton of great advice already, but I do need to ask, do you have any trade secrets for us? Trade secrets. Oh, I listened to your podcast. I wasn't sure if this was something that you come up with every single time. Trade secrets that I haven't actually shared so far. I don't know. As like, you think about that, I will say uh, that um, when I, in my notes for this episode, Whenever somebody says the word trade secrets, I write ding. And I just want to make a compilation of every time somebody says it, because it's like people go trade secrets and then they start <laughs> thinking about it just like you did. So, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's something I'm going to have to think about here. Um, just because I've I've shared so much already. Yeah. Um, geez. I don't know. I it really comes down to the to the research and the and pulling in the customer. Maybe I shouldn't have shared so much earlier on and I would have more juice <laughs> at the end here. Um no, reiterating what you've already said is perfect, right? Because uh, I think that um, you really want to drive home one of the points you made, and that's uh, that could be the takeaway that people are listening for. Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, I'm on sort of a crusade right now when it when it comes to my market, which is SaaS, and that is it's really digging into the foundation, the foundational stuff. So, I mean, in my market, and I'm sure it's similar. It probably takes a different form in other markets. It's technical people that are creating these products. And so marketing isn't their number one thing, neither is sales. And so they just lean into the product and then everything else they're looking for shortcuts and hacks uh, just to sort of try to do good enough and they're copying. And so I'm on a bit of a crusade right now to really focus on the foundational stuff. Um, Positioning, and that's not just messaging, but it's knowing how you stack up against the competitors, um, feature and capability wise, where you shine and who thinks and who really values those differences? It's 
um, customer research, but not in the way that I'm typically hired to do it right now, where people are they don't talk to their customers for three years, then then they want a new website, and now we talk to their customers. It's having a process where you're consistently talking to and surveying and evaluating customers and feeding that to the right channels, whether that's sales, support, market, uh, marketing, product. And it's it's pulling this in and 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 really testing smaller changes versus just completely stri- uh, stripping everything every three or four years and starting from scratch. So that would be my main takeaway there. And you probably don't have many copywriters that you have on this podcast, right? Is, is it is it mostly like WordPress developers? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of uh, WordPress developers, small business owners. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that would be that. And then the other thing, like I said before, um, it's going to be tempting because you're designers and developers to start with the design and then inject the copy, but really try to think about that messaging and positioning first and then design around it. Um, the design really is meant to uh, to to portray your words in the, in, in, the, in the most logical and compelling way. So um, it's it's really hard to start with the design first. Yeah, I think that's uh, truly fantastic advice. As somebody who is more the technical person, who is bad at marketing and sales, <laughs> um, I always took the field of dreams approach. Right? Like, if I build it, they will they come. will come. <laughs> yeah, that it, it happens sometimes, yeah. but uh, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it worked for Google and it worked for like Facebook to an extent, right? Yeah, uh, but okay. Facebook had that false scarcity anyway. Yeah, exactly. If you build, I guess, if you build like. Um, and like world changing technology at the exact right time, they will come. Yeah. But for the rest right. of us that are, I mean, if we're being really honest, we're mostly building things that are nice to haves. Um, and they yeah. are really nice to have, but you can get by without it. And so when that's the case, you can't just build it and they won't just come because there's other people building it as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, most of my ideas come from frustration with some other thing that almost did what I wanted, right? It's, yeah, so exactly. I, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Josh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find you? So you can find me at swaycopy.com. Um, my site is mostly geared towards my my client base, but at the very top you'll see like a little hello bar. So if if you know positioning your your services, um, choosing a niche or a niche, however you want to say it, is uh, is something that you care about. I have a free uh, email series on there. It's like 9,000 words on the topic because I got tired of answering the same questions over and over again in Facebook groups. And it's completely free. There's no, there's not even a sale at the end. I do not have anything for sale to uh, like service providers and freelancers. So you'll just get it. And then, and then I publish the odd email after that. Um, and social media wise, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Sway Copy. Awesome. awesome. I will link that and everything else we talked about. Um, you know, building story brand and hotjar rev.com. Anything that has a link, I will link to in the show notes, which you could find over at howibuilt.it. Josh, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Josh for joining us today. Uh, again, I loved just everything about this conversation. Uh, but the big things to reiterate is you are, are use the language that your customers are using. And if that means that you need to talk to them, then by all means, talk to them. Uh, so definitely check out his work uh, and and take his advice. Uh, I love that he's confident enough in his services to say like, not anybody can hire him. Um, you know, he works with a very, I mean, like he says, a specific type of company uh, because of the level of value that he provides and you should try to provide that value or communicate that you provide that value as well. 
Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, Ahoy, Pantheon, and Gusto. They make the show possible. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. There you can uh, grab either the RSS feed or links to all sorts of services from Apple Podcasts to Overcast, my favorite service. Uh, And if you want to launch your own podcast, head over to podcastliftoff.com to get a free workbook. If you want to make a show like the one that I make every week, uh, I have a free workbook and checklist over there for you to download, again, for free. So uh, again, head over to podcastliftoff.com. And thanks so much for listening. Until next time, get out there and build something. 